0: Hi everyone, Bernsey here. There's been some big news in the EV space this past week. The Australian Federal Government has released its first electric vehicle strategy, an official plan of how to make more EVs available to more people. I sit down with Bridie Schmidt, independent EV and clean transport journalist, to unpack what is and isn't inside. Bridie, hi.
1: Hey, how are you going?
0: Fantastic, fantastic! Great to have you here.
1: Yeah, it's good to see you again since the uh, fully charged show.
0: Yeah, gosh, it feels like a lifetime ago. So much has happened.
1: Oh, I know, and and a lot has happened, hasn't it? Because yeah, yeah, I mean, be,
0: yeah, yeah. We want to talk about this, um, this new, this kind of breaking news uh, for EVs, where the uh, the Australian government has actually come out with a um, electric vehicle strategy, which is pretty big news, don't you think?
1: Uh, it's it's absolutely massive it's it's literally the first time we've had a national electric vehicle strategy and going back to sort of 2019 I I talked to the then office of energy and climate change What it was called something different then and, and asked when we were going to have one and I was told mid 2020 and it was the first anyone had ever heard of the coalition was planning an electric vehicle strategy and then surprise surprise it didn't happen yeah. and instead um, like a year or 18 months later or something we ended up with a future fuel strategy that didn't even mention electric vehicles so this is a really big step it's a really welcome step from labor
0: yeah i have got to say it's it's night and day from the uh the previous the previous government but just i guess it's so good to see it in in such more of a, a kind of a broader bigger conversation too it's it's less focused it's actually I I believe uh, quite a holistic view of how we could be moving forward as a, as a country as well. But, uh, but I mean, let's, let's tuck straight in. So what, you know, break it down a little bit. What, what was the announcement and and what are some of the the focus areas that they're talking about exactly?
1: So at at its core, the, National EV Strategy is looking at ways to increase the number of electric vehicles available to buy in Australia, to establish the adequate charging infrastructure and other systems to make using and driving EVs something that is easy to do, and also to encourage an increase in demand.
0: Yeah, great. So so firstly, it's about getting more EVs into Australia, then making it easier for people to run those EVs and then, you know, making more people be able to access them, really, like to make it a bit more affordable?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things. I think they all sort of tie into each other, right, because one of the problems has been that there hasn't been a lot of choice of different EV models, but that's also come into price. So we're just starting to see a couple of EV models in Australia that are under $50,000. But we've still got some really major gaps in segments as well, like in particular affordable large SUVs. We've got some premium ones, but they're not selling in big numbers, uh, unsurprisingly. And uh, and also things like electric utes. There's only one on the market at the moment. It's rear-wheel drive. It doesn't have a huge, massive towing capacity. It's not really it's the LDV uh, ET60, it's not really something that's going to appeal to um, most people who are, you know, buying these really massive, you know, three-and-a-half tonne towing capacity that are causing contributing a lot to um, our rising transport emissions. And just to put that in perspective, transport emissions are the second largest contributor of carbon emissions in Australia and passenger cars and, and up to sort of like commercial vehicles Are the majority of our transport emissions and it's a rising sector so it's something that we really need to tackle.
0: Mm. It's really interesting you talk about choice because I think and even what we've talked about previously is that you can really say oh yeah look there's some really good examples of EVs in the markets but we keep coming up against this frustration from people saying well those things don't match my lifestyle or what I need an EV to do. So by default, I just kind of switch away and I go, well, it's not It's not even close to what I, like. the state of, of it, you know, and especially some people might feel like, well, if there's only two to choose from. Well, then I, I may feel like I'm just getting pigeonholed into something that I have to choose, not something I get that freedom of choice to, to adapt and be able to use in my life.
1: Yeah, there's that conversation about choice that Australians love, isn't it? You know, we're such a like a nation that loves our individuality and so much of our identity is tied up in our vehicle. And, I mean, I would argue that a lot of the time some of the vehicles that we buy, are, we don't really need that most of the time. We don't need that amount of range. We don't need that amount of towing capacity. So there's a couple of things to address, I guess, and, you know, in, encouraging an increase in e-demand e- can mean an atmosphere where car makers uh, can convince their overseas headquarters that they can sell these vehicles or or more vehicles in Australia but also educating the public on what range do they really need what towing capacity do they really need and getting people to maybe think a little bit differently about how they relate to their vehicles because there's there's a whole Extra, and this, you know, it's a whole other conversation about, you know, the batteries in electric cars and and the sort of um, link between energy and cars and homes. So, increasing EV demand, I think there's huge amounts to unpack there. But this strategy is a starting point, so that's really great.
0: Yeah, yeah, and too right, we've got to start somewhere. But you know, there's something that was gets really baffled us when we look at it, and they talk a lot about about fuel and a fuel efficiency kind of sideswip you a little bit because, hang on, I thought this was about EVs. Why are we talking about fuel efficiency? Could you kind of help us just unpack that a little bit for us?
1: Yeah, so when we talk about fuel efficiency standards, that's to do with regulations or, or in, in Australia's case at the moment, voluntary targets for carbon emissions across a fleet of new cars that are being sold. So Australia is one of a very, very small handful of developed nations that doesn't have legislated carbon emissions, uh, fuel emission standards. Europe has emission stand, fuel emission standards. And as an example, it, a car makers there, if their average fleet emissions exceed 95 grams of CO2 per kilometre, then they're fined. So what that means is that they have to sell a certain amount of electric cars and low-emissions cars to offset the carbon emissions of their internal combustion engine vehicles. Yeah. So we don't have legislated emissions like that. We have some voluntary emissions that were um, instigated by the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries, but because they're not legislated, car makers are saying we can't, Go to our overseas headquarters and convince them to give us more EVs to sell because they've got to direct those that inventory to other countries.
0: Right, and and in many ways, like if they're not being somewhat, like there's no kind of stick per se behind the manufacturer who obviously is going to be maybe be fined if they don't stick to the to the legislated limit of what they can do well, then they go, well, okay, it's untapped and we'll just we'll just send it all there because we're not going to get the same fine or the same rape repercussions if, say, we were to redirect them to Europe or United States or so on.
1: Yeah. And, and then the other side of that is because other uh, jurisdictions have had this legislated fuel emission standards in place for quite a while, the demand for electric cars is already established. So the consumers, the drivers are already saying, we want these cars. So they've not so much more certainty of selling them over there so we've got a lot of catching up to do and we need to do it quickly and so the the national EV strategy yes it's a really good starting point but there's a couple of things missing from it and one of them is commitment to what our fuel emission standard is going to be right now so it's, they're going to have another consultation about it and they're inviting consultation from the public and, and various industry stakeholders. But what is probably most important for people to understand is that our, if we're going to have fuel emission standards, and we definitely need them, they need to be competitive or else they're not going to make a difference because yeah. car makers will still need to send cars overseas.
0: Right. And if it's not, if it, I guess if it's not rigid or, or strict enough, then you're not necessarily deterring them. You're kind of just saying, well, it's just not as bad. So whilst if it's, say, stricter in, in Europe, then say, well, we're going to keep with our consistent strategy of continuously pushing these cars to different uh, countries that have less stringent regulation exactly. because, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be a better option than, say, sending it to a country that does.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we're a small market. So, you know, we're we we're, we're not a priority, unfortunately. It's something that's really been noted by um, commentary in the media and, and various people in the industry that that this is something that needs to happen.
0: Right. And and then even I guess what's maybe even more a little frustrating for me, if we're a small market and if we we're maybe not prioritized, then I guess that means that we've got to try and up our ante a little bit more with regards to things like this so that competitiveness is at least taken a bit more seriously and then we're not really kind of pushed to the edges or the fringes of of this change that's happening across all automotive industries across all countries
1: yeah totally and look you know there's so there's six outcomes of the national ev strategy and they they look to various outcomes but that we want to see from the strategy including um, expanded EV availability and choice reducing transport related emissions making it easier to charge EVs across Australia like we've already said and, and also bring in more affordable models but I think in particular one thing that's quite interesting is the uh, commitment to increase local manufacturing and recycling. So this is um, sort of the first time we've had a mention of a stewardship of, you know, the end of life of batteries um, and also perhaps looking to um, utilising our um, manufacturing sectors to actually play a role in the supply chain of EVs.
0: Well, I think that's that's quite a huge, like, difference between the EV kind of just just getting EVs and that kind of demand that we have and whether that supply is coming in or not, but also it's that forward thinking around, well, how are we adapting to this new industry that is primarily driven by electricity through battery storage and how are we adapting as a nation to progress in that field? Interesting to talk about that manufacturing and recycling of batteries. Like, What have they said in there? What are some of the things that they're proposing or what they are trying to to push for.
1: Look, I think it's it's mainly around the battery sector that they're talking about, but I think there were some interesting things that weren't mentioned and I've been doing some some writing on behalf of the Good Car company.
0: Yeah, we've had them um, yeah, we've spoken to them before, yeah.
1: You've spoken to Anthony, that's right. And um so, you know, one of the things that the Good Car Co is wanting to see is some changes around terminology and and legislation around parallel imports, because Good Car believes that one of the main ways that we could address supply is by accessing more cars from overseas that are perhaps not making it to the market via the car makers. And it's also wanting to leverage skills with manufacturers to access uh, tier one components and and look at uh, basically upgrading older EVs. So You know, this kind of idea of, yes, stewardship, recycling batteries, but also stewardship of vehicles that still have useful bodies, still have useful motors, but perhaps could benefit from an upgrade of battery size to increase range. And then also look at things like uh, putting in new upholstery, putting in new smarts, new computers and, and really giving an extra edge to Australia for EV supply.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because if you think about like there, there obviously isn't much of a second-hand market in Australia just because of the, the kind of the, the slowness of how we're bringing in and, and adopting these vehicles. But when you look around the world, there's quite a lot, you know, and, and then maybe we need to be, well, I guess not maybe, but this is something that like what's happening is they're looking at the, the full, you know, market out in the world as that potential second-hand market rather than just what you can get in Australia.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk around at a state and federal level about having targets for electric vehicles in government fleets. We've got zero emissions targets in state fleets, and but this is perhaps a shortcoming of the National EV Strategy is that it doesn't have any new targets at a federal level. It doesn't have any new targets for car sales for the public and it only has targets for low emissions vehicles for the government fleet. And then the other thing about, you know, Targets for Fleets has always sort of had an angle of, well, fleets turn over faster than private cars. So that will feed a secondhand market, which will mean more affordability at a, the secondhand cars people when it comes to the maths behind fleets it makes sense for fleets to hold on to electric vehicles a bit longer so instead of turning over every three to four years they might turn over every seven or even maybe every 10 years because they've got to make the business case right of and the longer you hold on to an ev the more that maths makes sense so in terms of actually having a really healthy secondhand market and enough affordable EVs for people, because we don't all buy new cars, we do need other sources of second-hand vehicles. So it, it's interesting. It'll Unfortunately, the consultation paper that's open now is only around uh, fuel emission standards, but it would be really good to see more lobbying for some changes in rules like this.
0: Mm. And it's interesting you say that with the second hand market you know those that that lease and bring in these these um you know larger fleets and they go hey yeah great we're going to get all these fleets and then eventually they're going to get into the to the used car market but a bit of the catch-22 is that the benefit of an ev is it can last a lot longer and you need a lot longer lead time in order to actually get that return on investment so therefore it actually just slows down if we're just solely reliant on what's happening internally, well, then that's not, we can't just take the, the precedent of the existing kind of used car kind of paradigm, but actually realise that it's a different time scale that we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it actually brings me to another point about the national EV strategy. And that is that it's, vision for what affordable EVs are for people is anything under $60,000. Now, that's still really expensive. And it's true that the cost of ownership of an EV is a lot lower. You know, there's less maintenance, there's less servicing, there's no oil changes. People probably should be taking into account because there's, you know, it's not many people that actually pay cash outright for a car. So most people should be taking into account not just the cost of the loan, but also the cost of owning the car. But the sixty thousand dollars is still just not very ambitious. And I, I think we should really probably be aiming for more vehicles under fifty thousand would be mm. really great to see. And then obviously we want to see more choice at the at the upper end of the spectrum, like I was saying, you know, in, in four wheel drives and and large SUVs. So we could really tackle the big polluters.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I think you're right with the Sixty thousand dollar kind of mark that they that they're aiming for. I mean, it doesn't sound like that's going to be good news to a lot of people. It's not to me as well because I'm really trying to find a way to make that affordability happen for myself, and that's that's definitely it's still well outside of my affordability range. And so uh, that initiative around finding alternate avenues to do it, like anybody else would, right? Like, no, even when you're getting any car, you know, you're not just kind of automatically you know, beelining it to the dealership to get that perfect new car off the line. You know, you, you you need to adapt and you need to be able to put in what you can afford. And for a lot of people, at least a lot of people who really want to make a difference and actually want to make this transition, they're just blocked out because they don't have that alternative route to take. Well, at least it's, it's becoming more popular, right? Like you're mentioning some some work you're doing with the Good Car Co. Uh, that, sounds, that sounds like a really good thing because it, it sounds like they're really looking to the global market to add, to get access to those alternative price point EVs that aren't so, you know, sticker shock heavy of the new ones.
1: Yeah, totally. And look, I should also mention that it was really great to see in the EV strategy that the NRMA is now got funding to expand uh, its New South Wales network to a nationwide network with 117 extra charges. So that that's one step that is um, really going to make a difference um, at, at a national level for charging infrastructure.
0: Yeah, so I guess that's a really good point on infrastructure that you know, another pain point or a sticking point where people are left, you know, on the fence with wondering what's life going to be like if if we don't have the right charges in the right places at the right times. Yeah, is, is there any more you could elaborate on, on what the, the, the EV strategy is thinking around infrastructure?
1: So the new map that's been released just yesterday has got um, sites that are not just around the coast. There is actually, there's a bit of criticism out there because the Western Australia part just kind of duplicates what the Western Australian government is doing. That said, you know, it means that there's backup along the way for either network. The NRMA network is going to have um, sites going right down the center of Australia, which is a bit of a first. And it's got several. Basically, it's going to join up the whole coastline, except for very top end of Cooktown. Look, it, it's it's a really great development to see.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And and we'll definitely um, be able to provide people with a with a link to that map in our episode notes. But I mean, even just stepping back, are there, are there any other like Things that you, from your perspective, think are critically missing from from this strategy and these announcements being made.
1: Uh, look, I think we've sort of covered most of them. I think the big thing really is that there's no target as yet. Most countries overseas, developed nations, have got a target for fifty percent electric. new new car sales being electric by 2030, 2035. In Norway, it's 2025. So they're less than two years into that. Actually, that's going to be 100% electric for Norway. There's no such thing mentioned in the national EV strategy. And it's definitely something that we need to see because without that target to aim for, you know, what are we working towards? We need to have measurable outcomes. Um, Another one that wasn't hasn't really gotten a lot of attention is the fact that the measurable outcome for charging infrastructure is only about um, sort of distance between charges. As we've talked about before, there had been problems with reliability of charges. So I think that what we do really need to see is a measurable outcome for uptime of electric vehicle charges. And that's
0: Quite important. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting we talk about targets because you mentioned there that if we don't have one, then we're not really aiming towards anything. Right. So then, I mean, I guess what's been the response to that? Do, do they, do the, does the government or does it, do they ex- it kind of explain maybe an alternative way of, of reaching this without the targets? Are they kind of offering, you know, this is what we could do instead?
1: Look, no, not really at the moment. uh, It mentions existing initiatives that it has, but there's there's nothing new and nothing concrete. Like I said, it's a good starting point, but it's definitely something that still needs to be built upon. So let's hope that the conversation keeps going, and we just really want to know that the Australian public understands, you know, the ins and outs of it, so that uh, they can be educated and converse on the issue.
0: And with around the, the fuel efficiency standards you know, that obviously speaks to a standard. What What's the specific metric or the specific thing that they're really looking at to be that standard for Australia? And, and in that standard, how might that compare to other countries?
1: There's no figures that have been put forward. Um, the only thing that we have at the moment is the voluntary standards from the FCAI, which are not as um, ambitious as overseas legislated targets, and car makers haven't been achieving those targets. So it's something that the consultation paper is asking for input, and it's definitely something that we need to have input into to make sure that we can get the best result for Australia.
0: Mm, okay, because I heard a, I heard a crazy stat the other day that it's really only Australia and Russia of the kind of more developed countries that don't have a fuel efficiency standard at all.
1: It's crazy, right? I mean, we are a developed, we'd like to think of ourselves as a progressive nation, but but we are actually really lagging behind on on this and, and on also on other things like the range testing procedures. For example, you know, we've and something that we've touched on before as well is that when you go to buy an EV, there's a sticker, or any car when you go to, there's a sticker on the windscreen. And you know, for example, I've got a Model Y, and it says that its range is 510 kilometres. I can tell you without a doubt, it doesn't get 510 kilometres. And one of the things that we see in the media is, especially mainstream media, is they sort of say claimed range. And the thing is that it's not, it's not that car makers are claiming that's how far the cars can go it's that we have ADR Australian design rules that are using an outdated testing procedure that is about 40 years old and it needs to be updated in Europe they use world harmonized light testing procedure known as WLTP so for example if you go to the Tesla website they'll have the WLTP range on there it's still higher than your real world range but we need to update a lot of things basically in the way we sort of convey to consumers what they're going to get for their buck
0: okay well while we got you on the on the phone Brighty, it'd, it'd be great to even just kind of get an insight in from you of anything you've been hearing across the industry after any any ripples this has been waving once the strategy has been taken off any interesting statistics or things that have unearthed out of this that you would you'd be great to share with us
1: Look, I think the national EV strategy is still, you know, it's just landed. So we don't really have any data to come out of that per se right now. But what I can say is that we are seeing an increased demand and increased appetite for EVs in Australia. So for the whole of 2022, the percentage of new car sales that were battery electric was 3.8%. In February and March, it was getting up there close to 7% so 6.7, 6.8%. We had a couple of new sort of records in March for EV sales. For the first time the Model Y became Australia's best-selling EV and it also was the second best-selling EV in the SUV segment overall like that's including compact, medium-sized and large SUVs no surprises the Tesla Model 3 was the next most popular EV and it outsold the runner-up in its segment which is um, medium cars above $60,000 it outsold the next most popular car in that segment which is the BMW 3 Series by a factor of eight so like they're they're incredible numbers right because we, we look at the Tesla Model 3 as a premium car because it's in that pricing segment, but it's a very different vehicle. And you might say it's very, well, you can say it's very minimal compared to a BMW 3 Series. So it's still got lots and lots of premium features. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see that. The the appetite is definitely increasing. So far for the first quarter in 2023, EV market share was 6.5%. So that is a record for Australia. It's only going to continue. Now we've got this EV strategy on the table. I think we're really going to start seeing a shift, but we do need those targets. We do need fuel emission standards. So, you know, hoping, hoping to see that happen.
0: Well, great. Well, thank you very much, Bridie, for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to our latest episode of Making It EV. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Please send us an email, hello at makingitev.com. And, of course, this podcast is recorded at Forbes Street Studios on Gadigal Land. Thanks to the team here, especially Anthony, who is a recording king and keeps us in check. Thank you, everyone. And you can find out more about us on our website, makinitev.com, and also follow us on Instagram, making underscore it underscore EV. Thanks everyone and happy driving.